I'm Danielle Houston. I'm a health and welfare advisor at Lockton Companies. This is my podcast, The Checkup. And today is another episode that continues the series that you get to meet some of the smart people behind Lockton. There are so many people that bring their expertise and their creativity into the walls that are locked in in order to help our clients do things that help them, whether it is manage their day-to-day business or improve their claims, or as in today's episode, manage their technology and maybe look at it a little bit differently. My guest today is Brad Mandacina. He is our HR technology guru. His official bio would say that he leads our HR tech practice. He leads a team that helps hundreds of employers every year evaluate, implement, and optimize the technology that they're using to run their businesses. He's a keynote speaker. He contributes to various industry publications, and he's named a top benefit technology innovator. You can find him on LinkedIn, and you may have heard him here and there speaking on a circuit, whether it was live or like this last year. I know he's been out on the Zoom circuit. So welcome to the checkup, Brad. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell us first, how did your path lead here to Lockton? You know, we're we are advisors and brokers, and not every firm has someone like you there. So how'd that happen? Yeah, you bet. So I've been in the industry for about 20 years. Uh, I've been with Lockton for uh, the better part of a decade now. And uh, I've known people for years that have worked here and always thought it was a, a place that I wanted to end up, a place that I wanted to be. Um, we have an incredible reputation in the industry. And so knowing people that were here, uh, like I said, about uh, eight, nine years ago, I, I met a gentleman who uh, at the time ran the tech consulting practice. And so when the opportunity presented itself to come on board, I, I knew I had to take advantage of it and, and make the move. So it's been a lot of fun ever since. Um, and we've definitely seen a lot of changes uh, in, in the last few years. So excited to be here and thank you. Yeah, we have seen a lot of changes. In fact, I was thinking as I was preparing for this episode in my experience in this industry, the biggest technology changes I remember happening were really around the Affordable Care Act. It was like that kicked open a huge door for technology to come in and try to help solve some problems and technology was embraced in some really new ways then. And you know, I know there have been some advancements and changes, but I mean, what we're going to talk today is probably that next big change of technology that's all connected to COVID. And as you and I have ch- chatted a little bit about what do we think the future really looks like, because employers are, or maybe they should be, thinking about how they plan for this workplace that's going to look differently moving forward. And so that's our episode today. What does the future look like? But before we talk about the future, we kind of need to figure out, you know, let's talk about where we came from. So let's talk about pre-COVID. It seems like a lifetime ago. Um, And yet, you know, uh, 14 months ago, 
things were, you know, I'll say normal. What was the biggest need or motivator for technology 18 months ago, or, you know, maybe even February, 2020? Yeah. So it was, it was interesting um, in interesting times for sure. Um, probably the biggest drivers were around um, increasing efficiency and automation. Uh, Compliance, you mentioned ACA. We joke that ACA is the gift that keeps on giving. We we had a a bunch of opportunities there and it helped a lot of people with that. But that that compliance piece was important. And I'll say more uh, encompassing than just ACA, but just ensuring compliance and, and even into, you know, paying people the right amount and treating payroll the right way. Um, that was, those were important drivers prior to all of this. We started to see an uptick in the, um, the experience, the employee experience and, and trying to relate with employees and ensure that education and that connectivity to the employees. And that started to trickle in maybe in, we'll call it, you know, 2015, 2016 and, and slowly ramped up and, until, uh, 2018, 2019 timeframe. And then uh, as we'll get to, obviously now the, uh, the employee experience is important for sure. Uh, but in, in, when we look at the technologies people were buying back then as well, it was primarily the, the HR and, and payroll systems, time, uh, timekeeping systems, um, Ben admin. And, you know, we, we got to get people paid and we got to get people to enroll in benefits. And those are the big things. We got we to gotta be able to clock in and clock out. And, and so those were the primary drivers. Now, when we got into, let's call it calendar year 19, we started to see some changes around uh, human capital management and focusing on workforce management and productivity and, and identifying those top performers and doing what you can to retain them and, and keep them engaged and, and um, really focusing on those employees. Um, when we think about it, one of the big changes we saw for a long time, it was about the employee experience and about your culture and and let's have ping pong tables and beanbag chairs and make it fun and make it exciting. And and I remember in, in calendar year 19, I did a, I did a bunch of presentations. And one of the things that I predicted was that we would see a shift from the uh, employee experience to the family experience. And, and, how, how little I knew how right we would be it, looking back now and how important, you know, families are. And, and uh, you know, we were just talking about kids coming in during, during uh, zoom meetings. Can't get away uh, from them. That, that's, that's right. I, 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 uh, I wish I could pick lottery numbers that well, uh, you know, it'd, it'd be a different story. I think. Um, but it was all about, and we started to see that shift from, from focusing on the employee to recognizing there's this whole ecosystem around the individual and their family. And they've got, this life outside. And so how do we embrace that and foster that as an employer of choice? And, and we started to see that shift um, late 19 and, and early into calendar year 20. Uh, and then of course, everything, and then everything, you know, the wheels fell off and everything changed. So. <laughs> the wheels came off, the rug pulled out, the world tipped yeah. over. And yeah. for some of these employers who hadn't embraced technology. And there are a lot of them out there. You know, when I think back to March and April of 2020, I worked with a number of clients who still really relied on paper. And, you know, in March, 
there was this, well, we think this is going to be kind of short lived. So, you know, we're going to, we've got a really big problem right now that we have to deal with, which is trying to get people home or how we're going to stay at work. And we'll think about technology later, but, you know, you and I've reminisced a little bit about some of the organizations that we helped, you know, we had a plan for 2020 and that plan was really, we really had to sidestep it. So, you know, you and I talked about a couple of stories. I would love to hear, you know, from you, what was March and April like? What were you helping clients to do? I like to call it organized chaos. Um, (laughs) There, there was a lot of, oh no, we don't know what to do. How should we react? What is most important? And, and, and as, as I often say, we can, we have the fortune to get a lot of things wrong. We cannot mess up payroll. We cannot mess up somebody's paycheck. And, and so there were a number of employers during March and April timeframe where, back to your point, they, they might have been on paper. And how do we get people paid? It, it is base level. And then, and then that grows into, okay, now how do we, how do we continue to generate, you know, to run our business, whatever that might be. Um, and so there was a lot of that that was taking place and a lot of people trying to figure that out. We, uh, we have a story, I know of an employer that actually had to have employee in their, in their payroll department take home printers to be able to print paychecks. And, and, and at the time you did it because you had to do it, you had to get people paid, back to my point. But, but we look at that now, I look at that now and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what, what a risk. What, I mean, you think about the, the security and the liability and it's like, did we, did we log what, what number of checks we should be on and let's, let's, let's make sure we're auditing that. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, let me be clear. I'm not accusing anybody of being nefarious by any means, but you, you present that risk when, when you're in that environment. And, and so that was one end of the spectrum of the employers that uh, they, they had to completely scramble. Uh, we've heard stories of people taking home desktop computers because they didn't have a laptop. They, they, technology and infrastructure was, was the furthest from their mind prior. And it got thrust in front and center, front stage. And, and so that became important to a lot of people. Yeah. I, I have started referring it to the, oh no period when, (laughs) you know, in March or April, I was working with clients through the initial parts of their renewal and saying, Hey, we've talked about technology in the last few years. We've talked about solutions and this is the year that we have to do something because I don't see another possible way for you to disseminate open enrollment information and collect everything. And fortunately, really thankful for a vendor who stepped in and was able to get a system in place that people could use remotely and it had little to no cost. But, you know, it went from this sort of stage where we could have vetted and and really matched with a solution that maybe would have been a fit in payroll or you know fixed some other um, problems that those that those employers had, but it turned into oh no, we have to do something and we have to do it today. And I think you know, and you've kind of said it there there isn't any blame and certainly not looking at 
anything like, you know, this was nefarious on, on anybody's side, but it revealed our vulnerabilities in so many ways when that thing that we never planned to have happened all of a sudden happened and you realize you have to keep your business moving forward. So we've survived. We have survived the last 12 months, slapping some technology in place here and there, uh, probably helping employers rethink what they were doing here too. What would you say these last 12 months have revealed with the clients you've been working with? Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot here and there's a lot of things that I want to maybe just spend a couple minutes visiting about with this. And, and going back to your statement of the employers, the, the, the oh no, let's, let's find something, plug in a piece of technology. And, and that, that wasn't uncommon. There were a number of employers that perhaps hastily found and implemented technology to solve a particular problem. Maybe it was payroll, maybe it was a communications tool, maybe, maybe it was just some sort of infrastructure tool so that they could have people working remote. And what we're finding now is that lack of diligence on the front side, because we didn't have time, we didn't have the ability or the luxury to do a full evaluation. And so today what we're finding is vulnerabilities in data security or, or a mismatch of expectations and requirements when it comes to data security or perhaps uh, what we accepted with a manual workaround previously, we recognize is not a potential go forward strategy. We need to automate things. And so there was a lot of issues that, that we, we accepted because we had to, we had to put something in, so we did it, we dealt with it. And now we're starting to see some of those bubble back up. Uh, we're, we're recognizing that a lot of employers perhaps implemented a solution that the service model isn't quite what they would expect or what they would hope for for their own internal employees. And so today we're getting called in and saying, hey, can you come help us out? We, we've got a problem with this employer or a bigger part of this vendor and we're unable to, uh, we're not getting responses. We're not getting the service we expect. Please help us out. Uh, we're also getting a lot of the calls of, hey, our data is messed up. What, what's going to the carriers we realize now has been wrong. Um, in some cases we found uh, liability where claims were paid. People were presented a, an offer of coverage when they should not have been. And, and unfortunately claims had been paid out. So there were, there were a few of those instances where we are still getting called in today to help resolve some of these issues that, that we're kind of thrust into really when, when this happened a year ago. So a great maybe item for an employer to consider today, if, if they needed a Band-Aid in the last 12 months and they put some technology in, it would be a really good time to take a look at that and make sure that it's really doing what you think it's doing or that it's doing everything you need it to do and start you know, making any necessary corrections. Cause when I hear data security, I wince a little bit yeah. and, you know, we have seen huge issues with that also in the last several months. And we could probably do an entirely separate episode on that by itself. Yes. 
but there are a few positive things and I really want to be able to focus yes. too on, you know, this has been one of my like survival methods through the last 12 months is, you know, finding the pearl. What's what, what are the pearls coming out of this? And there are a few that you've been calling out internally for us as, as locked in members and associates. Um, so I would love for you to, you know, maybe add some of your commentary to these two. The first one is mental health investing. That's yeah. amazing. We needed it before. Wow. Do yes. we ever need it now? What are you seeing there? Massive investments in the space in terms of outside, you know, uh, uh, private equity, venture capital dollars going towards technologies but also the systems that did exist, building out their tools. And, and all of these things going into research and development and creating tools to meet people where they are and to help people who perhaps before slid under the radar or, or for whatever reason didn't raise their hand and say, hey, I need help. And that's probably the other big thing that I really like that we're seeing is that we're, we're removing some of the stigma that was associated with, with mental health. And, it's, it's okay to, to raise your hand and say, hey, hold on, I need some help here. I am struggling. And, and it stands to reason. We ask people to, to go stay in their homes for, for weeks, if not months on end, and not see anybody and not do anything. And, and prior to all of this, myself, it, I took, I traveled about 40 trips a year on average. And that was a lot of nights away from home. And, and talk about the adjustment my family had to make with dealing with me all the time being back. Um, I mean, that, that, was, that was tough on everybody. And, and the, the importance of being able to say, hey, yes, I need some help. And, and you know, there's, there's a bunch of apps out there. A lot of them are free. Uh, I know a number of employers are providing these kinds of things for these, these resources that are available to those people that might need help just to <clears throat> calm themselves, think things through, or even reach out to somebody and get some help. But it's been, it's been great to see that um, finally get pushed forward and, and come into the light when we, we know we've needed it for a long time, but it's good to get us there to that point. Um, and that's, that's exciting to see that, those changes to help folks. Yes, I've been so encouraged and excited about technology in the healthcare space anyway for the last few years. And seeing what virtual care and you know phone connections can serve in this mental health space has really been very encouraging because to your point, we do see that people are so much more willing to reach out and connect with someone virtually as well. It's yeah. a little bit of a safety net aside from maybe making an appointment and sitting across the room from a stranger to really, you know, bare your soul doing that over the phone or even in a video chat gives people a certain sense of security that, you know, again, I don't really know if we could have peered around corners to predict that, um, but it's encouraging and we still need more. So yes. I'd love to see that just continue to grow. Um, and you kind of led into it like this was a negative thing. Now, I get it, you know, when your family is used to having a certain routine that includes you being gone so many nights a week, it is an adjustment to have you back. But I'm sure your family, like mine, was really appreciative of meals at home and, you know, spending more time together in ways that, I mean, at least my family hadn't in a long time because I was working and they were at school. Um, 
This remote work thing. This is another piece, though, of these positive things we're pulling out of the last 12 months. So, you know, what else would you add into that? Yeah, and that's... Um... And let me, let me be clear. I am, I, you know, back to working from home. I am so grateful It made working from home the last 12 months made me realize how much I missed traveling all the time. And so I do want to be clear on that. I do, I do joke a little bit. Um, but so it, it, it was good. It, it is good. Yes. And this remote work, it's, it's interesting to see how this is going to continue and it's going to vary by industry and, and by employer and, and so forth. But a number of, of people are predicting that the remote work environment is going to continue in some form and fashion. The office isn't dead. The office environment is not dead. And many companies define their culture by their office. And, and so it's important that we, we find other ways to define our culture and who we are and the things that we do and, and be able to reach those employees that are remote because we are going to continue to see remote work. Uh, I've, I've read a bunch of studies on this and um, there was one that was suggesting that the, the, the most likely outcome is that a majority of employees will choose to work from home one or two days a week and go into an office one or two days a week or the, the balance. And, and so it's some type of hybrid environment where you're not fully remote, you're not fully uh, in an office environment. And, and I, know, I know for me personally, I, I kind of like that. I come into the office a couple days a week now. And, and it's nice. It, it gives a break. It gives that the, the, it just, it, it kind of creates some sense of, of perhaps a new level of normalcy, but, but I would submit that remote work isn't, I mean, it's, it's here to stay, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think, you know, we've all seen how we can be productive and maybe truly have a better balance between those family nights or, you know, more time at the gym or more time to do some of those other things that really refill our cups and, you know, not spend two and a half hours commuting on top of a work day. But, you know, some of your comment too, I think feeds really well into the next positive trend. You talked about companies really needing to kind of redefine their culture a little bit differently. The office isn't dead, but it's going to look different. How do you engage with people? This next piece here is putting the human in HR. And if we're going to reshape the culture of our office and, you know, what we've seen too in the last 12 months of, you know, the workplace and, you know, our human resource leaders really needing to be able to connect with people differently. Um, this next one, uh, what say you about the human? in so I, I like that we are putting the human back in, in, in human resources. Um, it, it's a level of empathy that everybody has, and it's almost contagious. And there's a sense of understanding and, and, you know, the, the, the dog barking in the meeting is almost, it's expected. Uh, the doorbell ringing, the kids coming in, it's, and it's that level of understanding of, hey, we're all in this together and we're all, we're all struggling together. And, and so bringing that back and, and, and normalizing. And look, at the end of the day, we've still got a job to do. But if we're understanding and tolerant, it makes it, it just makes it so much easier. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned being able to sneak away and go to the gym and, and, uh, get those things in You're you're absolutely right. So, 
uh, on my team, um, I'm not going to name names because this guy will probably kill me. But um, we've got a guy on the team who, who he and his wife, they've got, they've got a, a few little boys and, and they're little guys. They're, they're, they're little boys. They're, they're rambunctious. They're crazy. Well, he and his wife worked out this deal where he wakes up really early in the morning and they, he works on work-related items for most of the morning um, while his wife takes care of the kids. And then in the afternoon, they switch that around. And then he, he'll log back on, you know, later at night, seven, eight o'clock at night after the kids are already in bed. But, but it's that understanding of this, this is okay. I mean, family comes first, always, you've got to be able to take care of your family and do those things. And so one day I called him and it was like 1230 ish. And, and I, and I could tell he was outside because I could hear ambient noise. I was like, you know, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, we're at recess. And so I kind of giggled and I was like, okay, I called for a reason, but you got to tell me about this. And so Every day they, they got their kids and they walk across the street to the park and they go play for an hour and a half. And, and I, first off, I'm, I'm excited about that. I think that is fantastic. I mean, what great time with your children that you're never going to get back. But the fact that we have in an environment where we're understanding and we're tolerant and we can say, yeah, that's great. Do that. Because we know he's getting his work done before and after and, and, um, it's, it's so, it's so important to, to be able to have that understanding. And, and, you know, I think about it, I was asked by um, a good buddy of mine in this space. He, he runs a tech, uh, a Ben admin firm. And he asked me at one point in time, almost unfair. He said, he said, what's more important process or outcomes? And, and I thought about that and I really struggled with it because I mean, you can, you know, depending on the day I could argue either one. And so I bring this up now because we're, we're putting this empathy back in and the human back in HR. It's, it's allowing us to focus more on the outcomes and less about the process and give people that space to, to do what they need to do um, to achieve those results. And they'll get it done in their own way and, and they'll get there eventually. And that's, that's the part that I really like about this is it's, um, it's and, and look, I get it. We're, we're lucky. We live in an environment. We work for an organization that allows us to do this. We were afforded this ability to, to work like in this style. But, but I like that we're doing these things. And hopefully there's a measure of this that will become contagious. And these other organizations can, can, can do this and take advantage of these things and make those understandings. Yeah, I hope so too. The flexibility to let people have a life and have work both. It seems like it should be um, a lot easier perhaps than what it has been, but nice to see some progress. Yeah. And the last one is transformation. Yes. So this digital transformation was arguably a buzzword uh, in, in calendar year 19. Everybody we need to have a digital transformation. And, and oh, we were going to get it. And we didn't even know we were going to get it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, what is that? I don't know, but we want it. And, and, and so we've started to see that. And this is one of those positive things that we have seen come out of this. And now, and, and look, I don't mean to make light of digital transformation. All that. I don't mean to make fun of it. And, and a number of employers did make, they started on that journey or, or continued down that journey of, of arriving to a point where, um, they probably needed to be in terms of overall infrastructure and architecture. This pandemic really uh, forced some, uh, brought others kicking and screaming, uh, but a number of employers have started down this path of, of moving to this environment and this, this fully digital environment, however you want to describe that. And, and is it, does it mean that you're now in a completely cloud environment in terms of 
all of your software and your applications that you're running. And, and um, it, it means different things to a number of different employers. For some, for some employers, I think having a, the ability to send a, a text messages to some of their employees might count as a digital transformation. And, and every little itty bitty little step along the way helps that journey and, and really supports kind of all these things that we've been talking about thus far is, is getting that to, to meeting employees where they are, supporting them, getting them through this. Arguably, you toss them the keys and let them drive. And, and so these things are, are affording this and allowing these things to happen. Yeah. So, you know, with, with great challenges come great opportunities. And um, sometimes it can be hard to see some of those things until we pause and take a moment and talk yes. about where we've, where we came from and really what we've done in the last year. And I joked earlier that it feels like a lifetime ago and it kind of does, but uh, it's actually nice to talk through all the things we've all done in the last year. Everyone has had a part in, you know, working together and figuring out how to take something that was just really crappy and making it, you know, making it work a little bit better. So thank you to you and your team for what you guys have done in the last year to do that. No, no easy task, I'm sure. So we're going to wrap this episode and we're going to jump to part two, where we're going to talk about the future of technology and what that looks like, because the way that we use it is likely going to need to look differently as our workplaces change with COVID, even returning to work, like Brad has said, it's going to look different. So we're gonna have to keep on changing and transitioning together and join us to hear more about that in part two.